Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. Have you ever had the experience of knocking yourself out for someone and all you hear back is absolute silence, not a word of thanks? Have you ever been in a situation where you've always been the giver and the other person always takes and takes and takes? Have you ever seen someone who has been truly blessed of God in every way And yet, all they talk about of how bad things are, how wrong things are in their life, how bad their past was, how victimized they have been. Have you ever loved and loved and loved? And the other person takes your love for granted, or even outright rejection. Well, if you ever have that experience or acquainted with such an experience, I want you to tune in. Because you most certainly understand how Jesus felt in this incident that has taken place, recorded by Dr. Luke in chapter 17. Many a time, Jesus gave of himself and gave of himself and gave of himself and the crowd took and they took and they took and they only came back to take some more. I think if we are honestly Let God's mirror in heaven reflect our inner attitude toward Him. In all honesty, I think we'll be shocked to discover how few of us have ever learned to develop that attitude of gratitude. I know it's a cliche, but it's a good one. Now, I'm not talking about taking your hat off and bowing your head before the meal and just say, Oh God, mumble something to the effect, uh, uh, make us truly thankful I never understood that prayer, by the way. (laughs) Either you're thankful or you're not. God is not going to make you what you don't want to be. Now, I'm not talking about a habit. I'm talking about deep down feeling of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. In fact, I heard about one of these uh, people who habitually bowed their heads before the meal and mumbled something, you know, Lord, make us truly thankful, and that kind of generic prayer and For the rest of his conversation is always negative, always talking about the wrong things. This man came down to breakfast table, and he went through his routine, and then he went straight into a litany of berating his wife. The coffee is cold. The hams is not cooked. The eggs are not well done. And his little girl, who has seen this kind of inconsistency once too many times, With an innocent of a child, she looked at him and she said, Dad, do you think God heard your prayer when you gave him thanks? He said, of course. For a moment she pondered and then she said, Now, Dad, do you think God is hearing you when you're talking about how bad the coffee is and the eggs are and the ham? He said, yeah, of course, God hears everything. She said, well, Dad, which one does he believe? (laughs) I'm not going to get too many amens on this one. (laughs) The inner feeling of thanksgiving, the inner feeling 
of gratitude. Now, I don't want to make a biblical rule out of a biblical incident. You know I don't do this. But as I focused on this passage, I focused again and again, and I wondered if there are more than 10% of Christians who are really thankful deep down in their heart and express it in a tangible and genuine contentment and thanksgiving to God. I wondered about that. Statistics worldwide. I'm not talking about America alone. I'm telling you, in the rest of the world. Statistics have shown that 20% of members of every church give all of the money, do all of the work, and the 80% watch. Luke 17. We find that only 10% of those whom have received the blessing at God's hand, 10%, came back with tangible evidence of thanksgiving. I pray that you'll make that decision of developing the attitude of gratitude from this day forward. Luke tells us there was a group of melancholy lepers. They met Jesus outside on the border between Galilee and Samaria. I'm going to come back to that. That's a very important detail. Mark it down. They were a mixture of Samaritans and Jews. You know, common misery had drawn them together. You know, misery loves company. Under normal circumstances, the Jews would have absolutely nothing to do with the Samaritan and vice versa. But there is a common bond. It's their misery. I wondered when I was going through this passage, I reflected a little bit how in any institution, church, office, any institution, I wondered if you notice what I've noticed, that the gripers, the complainers, the critical people, the negative people somehow found each other. And they get together very quickly. And somehow they're drawn to each other. They have a common bond. Water found its level. The leprosy has leveled the ground under the Jews and the Samaritans. Ethnic background doesn't matter when your skin is filled with white blots called leprosy. Leviticus 13 tells us that the diagnosis of the leper takes place by the priest. He examines the skin from a distance, and then he keeps the person in a quarantine for seven days. And then he examines them again. And seven days later, if this leprosy is still there, he is declared a leper. And immediately that person is taken out of the community. He has moved outside of the city wall. And they've been put in a place of total isolation. The only person that a leper could get near to is another leper. Only the priest could change this declaration. Only a priest can issue a certificate to say this person is healed or cured or cleansed. Why? Because in the Old Testament, leprosy was a type of sin, just as Pharaoh was a type of Satan. And in order to keep God's people pure, in order to keep God's people holy, lepers were isolated from society. They were isolated from the community. In fact, this is the place which is the border between the Samaritans and the Galileans. It's a no man's land. And this is where the Samaritans dumped their lepers and the Galileans dumped their lepers. And that's how they got together. No man could touch a leper, but Jesus is the only one who did. Do you know why? Because he is our sin bearer. 
He could touch a leper without being infected. Just as He can take away your sin and my sin and remain to be the holy, pure, righteous Son of God. The ten men, they were all lepers. So they stood from afar, Luke tells us, because they didn't want to get close to Jesus. You see, they knew He can perform a miracle, but they did not know that He was a sin bearer. (laughs) So they yelled with a loud voice. And they said, Jesus! You see, Jesus already knew. He understood their desperation. He already understood their predicament. He already understood their feeling of rejection. He already understood their deepest longing. He already understood their crushed spirit. He already understood their lonely isolation. He already understood their inner pain. So without even telling them that they are healed, without even telling them that they are cured, he said to them, go to the priest, show yourself, in order to get the certificate of cleansing. Now, I've focused about this several times, and I'm confident in my own heart, you might not agree with me, but I'm confident in my own heart that in America, with all of our civil liberties, and I thank God for it, that's why I'm here, (laughs) with all of our human rights, with all of our freedoms, all of our demanding of our rights, we will never be able to comprehend the awesomeness of this supernatural act. This was just not just a healing miracle. These people were looked upon worse than animals. Animals were not respected, but at least animals could come close to people, but they couldn't. They were the scum of the scum as far as the population was concerned. But now, now they can go back into society again. Now they can get a job. Now they can talk to people without people running away from them. Now they can get married. Now they they can have children. What Jesus did for them is far more than just healing. Listen carefully. There's a lot more here than just a healing of a sick person. And I want you to understand why Jesus in a very few times in his ministry, very few times, this is one of the rarest occasions, that he can literally open his heart to us and tell us that he was so deeply disappointed, so deeply hurt in his feeling. He said, where are the other nine? They didn't come back to thank him. It's more than just a miracle. After the healing, all of the ten were healed. Only one exhibited that attitude of thanksgiving. The other nine, they took the healing for granted. The other nine, they took the gift and ignored the giver. The other nine, they grabbed what was given to them and they thought that God owed them something. And I'm going to stop preaching for a minute and I'm going to meddle. You know, I want to tell you, and God knows and witness to what I'm telling you. I was felt so privileged that I can get education in this country. I paid every single dime for my own personal education. I didn't borrow, I didn't ask for a scholarship, I didn't ask for anything. Some professors at Emory years ago thought I was crazy. He said, people doing less important work, getting all kinds of scholarship. I said to Dr. Stein one day, I said, I am so privileged to have education. I want to pay for it myself. I don't want to be dependent on somebody else. And I want to tell you as a nation today and as a society today, our problems are going to continue as long as people think that the government owns them a living. As long as people work who work hard continue to subsidize those who can work and refuse to work. As long as the government has misplaced compassion. As long as 
politicians keep the citizens on receiving handouts so they can get their votes. As long as we keep a whole generation from knowing what it is to work hard and earn a living, our problems are going to get worse and not better. A cynical friend of mine recently said, we ought to be thankful we live in a country where folks can say what they think without thinking. (laughs) We sure have them in the media, don't we? Only one in ten came back to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. His heart was so thankful that he couldn't pass the opportunity. And I want you to notice how detail-minded doctors are. Thank God for that. Thank God they're not like me. They are so detail-minded. And you say, why is this? I said, Dr. Luke is the one who's recording this particular incident here. And with scientific precision, watch everything that he writes down. He is detailing everything. And he said, this one was a Samaritan. That was not wasted. That's very important. He was a Samaritan. He did not understand the covenant. He was not part of the covenant. He was not expecting the Messiah. He was not taught to understand that the Messiah is coming. He was not. He was not. The attitude of gratitude is so rare when it ought to be as common as the heartbeat. Someone said that he who forgets the language of gratitude can never be on speaking terms with happiness. And you know what? I've never met a griper who's happy. Not one time. You may have, I haven't. But look at verses 15 and 16 of Luke 17. There were two separate acts here as part of this Samaritan ex-leper. It's Thanksgiving. In verse 15, he praised God in a loud voice. I mean, he was yelling praise and thanksgiving. But then in verse 16, he felt that was not enough. So what does he do? He comes and he throws himself right there on the floor. His face literally touching the foot of Christ. Thanking him. Praising him. Well, now with this short introduction, I better get to my sermon. (laughs) There are three lessons that I believe the Holy Spirit would teach us from this passage. Number one, many are the requests, but few are the thanks. Secondly, many believe... But few are grateful. Thirdly, there are four characteristics about that attitude of thanksgiving, that attitude of gratitude that I want you to listen to very carefully and measure yourself against them. Where do you fit in on the scale? First, many are the requests, but few are the thanks. I want to give these nine people the benefit of the doubt. I understand not everybody is given to being loud. I understand that. It's all right. But just give them the benefit of the doubt. I honestly looked sideways, up and down. I couldn't find anything that Luke would say about these people. They didn't even mumble, Lord, make us truly thankful. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. There is no thank you, Jesus, any shape, way, or form. They took off. They didn't even whisper. Yet, when they needed to be healed, I want you to look at verse 13. Here's what Luke said. He said, they yelled from the top of their voice. That's a use of translation, but really what it means. They yelled from the top of their voice, Jesus, have mercy on us. 
<laughs> many people cry to God when they are in trouble. And many are the requests, but few are the tangible signs of thanksgiving. The attitude of gratitude. Many are the cries for help. But little is the visible expression of thanksgiving. It's like that little girl who was traveling on a train, six years of age. She was talking to everybody, befriending everybody, laughing and playing. So much so that really nobody knew whose daughter she was. (laughs) Until all of a sudden, a train whistle and a loud shriek and the train roared into a dark tunnel. And in a flash second, she ran and she jumped and went to the arms of her mother. How like that child we are. When the sun is shining, when the sky is blue, when the grass is green, when everything is going well, we're full of ourselves. But as soon as the shriek of trouble comes in, as soon as the dark tunnel closes in, We cry out to God, Oh God, why are you doing this to me? And then when the need is met, very few go back to God with the attitude of gratitude. You know, there are very few people who pray their thanksgiving with the same fervor for which they prayed their request. They become great prayer warriors when things are not going very well. And I wonder, can this statistic be correct? Can that be really 10% who really pray their thanks fervently? And if so, let me ask you this. Do you belong to the 10% or do you belong to the 90%? Where do you belong? But then there's a second thing here that I want us to notice. Many believe, but few are grateful. We're not told of these nine that they were not believers. We are not told that they did not believe in Jesus. In fact, we are given the impression to the opposite. We are given the impression is that they believed Jesus' word and they went straight to the priest to show themselves to the priest to get a certificate of cleansing. These people were desperate to do anything. They were desperate to believe anything. They were ready to receive anything that will take their misery away. Yet, when the desperation was met... It was never translated into practical thanksgiving. So many of us have learned to wrestle with God like Jacob. So many of us have learned to intercede like Elijah. So many of us have learned to plead with God like Jeremiah. But I want to tell you, there are very few of us who know how to pray with thanksgiving fervently like this Samaritan ex-leper. What about you? Third point, what are these characteristics of the attitude of gratitude? Let's drink deeply from these four things. Number one, determination. This man returned to Jesus alone. He was alone when he came back. They were all Jews. They were fellow Jews of the Lord Jesus. He was a Samaritan, but he came alone. He could have said, well... I really shouldn't go back right now because the others are not going and I don't want to be the only one to go. I'll tell you what, I will wait until they go and we go together as a party, as a group, 
and express our thanks to God. No, he didn't wait for that. He went alone. Why? Because the attitude of gratitude delights in singing the song of thanksgiving, even if it is alone. I want to tell you something. I cannot measure my thankfulness by others. Even if they seem to be more spiritual. Even if they seem to be more versed in the scripture. Even if they seem to be more visibly involved in Christian activities. Even if they seem to project an aura of maturity. I want to tell you something. There are some people who project an aura of maturity. Unfortunately, you're going to find them to be the least excited about the work of God and the word of God. Why? They feel and think that they've heard it all. They know it all. They've done it all. Nothing excites them, nothing moves them, nothing exhilarates them, nothing makes them thankful. They think they got it all figured out. I want to tell you, I pity them. Second characteristic of the attitude of gratitude is this, promptness. This Samaritan went back to Christ almost immediately, immediately. He didn't wait for Thanksgiving Day. He didn't wait for Sunday. He didn't wait until other people can hear him and see him. He didn't wait for a thing. He went immediately back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did God bless you today? Express that attitude of Thanksgiving immediately. Did God's hand of protection shrouded you today? Thank Him immediately. Has God's hand led you today? Thank Him now, today, on the spot. And then there is... A third characteristic of attitude of gratitude, and that is of intensity. Determination, promptness, intensity. This man was not satisfied with the kind of shaking of the hand. Thank you very much. He was not satisfied with Lord make us truly thankful. (laughs) He returned with a loud voice like the Pentecostal of Pentecostals, and he glorified God loudly. Let the chips fall where they may. He was not showing off. He was not attracting attention to himself. And I'll tell you why he didn't do it. Because he has been isolated. He doesn't know social graces. Thank God for that. He just did what came natural to him. His heart was bursting with thanksgiving. And he expressed it as loud as he could. He wanted the whole world to know the intensity of his thanksgiving. He wanted the whole world to know the intensity of his gratitude. He didn't want to keep it a secret. You and I know people who say, well, my religion is really very private. (laughs) I think it's very private. He's never experienced it. (laughs) I want to tell you the obvious about our society. It's the obvious, but I'm going to repeat it anyhow. When somebody says hallelujah in the church, oh, he's a fanatic. You go to the ball game, you shout from the top of your lungs, he's a fan. (laughs) I'm honestly convinced. And some of our parents really receive blame for this. And I'm I'm not talking about my own because mine always taught us to be free in the Lord. But, But there's some people honestly believe that you're not a Christian unless your lower lip is so low that he can trip on it. You know? I mean, it is so low, it can really, literally, suck marbles out of a gopher hole. <laughs> Baptized in vinegar. No joy. Now, I don't understand this type of Christian, I want to tell you. God bless him. The fourth characteristic is humility. Yeah, people think a humble person is a doormat. 
Far from it. Far from it. If you ever been given that crazy idea that a humble person is a doormat and somebody punches him every time they walk by, that is not the humility that the Bible talks about. <laughs> humility is acknowledging the goodness and the mercy of God. Humility puts the thanks where it belongs. Humility gives the credit to what is due. That's what humility is all about. Determination, promptness, intensity, humility. This man fell on his face right on the ground there. As if to say, Jesus, without your love, I'm nobody. Jesus, without your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and your healing, I am a nobody. I am a nothing. That's what he's saying. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's humility. Jesus, I was dead. I was breathing, but I was dead. As far as the world is concerned, I might as well be. I would have been better off. But you gave me life. You have given me the abundant life, Jesus. I thank you. Look at verse 17. Here's what Jesus said. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Were none found to return and give thanks to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? I don't know why I focused on this direction as I was studying this passage. But as I was going through it, I felt there was an opportunity here for this Samaritan to really blow it. I mean, this is a real opportunity for him to blow it, but he didn't. He could have said, well, Jesus... You know, we Samaritans have just been misunderstood through the years, you know, for too long. Uh, We are really loyal people. We are thankful people. We haven't received the blessings of Israel, but we really are. He could have said, well, Jesus, you know, these people are just not as thankful as I am. and They're just not as good as I am. They're not as smart as I am. They're not as... No. He didn't do that. That's part of that humility. Because this man's true humility did not point out to the weakness of others. Finally, the attitude of gratitude carries with it its own special blessing. If you forget everything I said, mark this one. Last verse, verse 19. Thanksgiving carries with it special blessing. They were all physically healed, yes, oh yes. But this one man received the special Spiritual blessing on top of his healing. Why? Because he knew how to be thankful. Because he knew how to give thanks in all circumstances, but especially when he's blessed. To all physically healed, yes. But you see, beyond the miracles and beyond the supernatural intervention and beyond the healing and beyond the material blessings that God has given us, There is something far more tangible. There's something far more important. It is called eternal life. All of the lepers were healed. All ten of them. And a few years later, they all died. Yet this thankful Samaritan ex-leper received not only life, but eternal life. Listen to what Jesus said to him. Verse 19. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's a wrong translation because well is physical, but they already got healed. Well, how well can he get? <laughs> He's already been healed. Well, the word here, whole, means saved, eternally saved. 
When the scripture exalts us in many places, in many places, you know the passages, go home and get a concordance and look them up. Paul, James, Peter, constantly telling us, be thankful in all things, be thankful in all circumstances, be thankful, rejoice. Why do you think they're doing this? Is it just so you be theologically enlightened? So you can sound good and pious. Oh yeah, I'm thankful. No. The very reason is that the apostles understood that the attitude of gratitude, the heart of thanksgiving carries with it a special spiritual blessing of its own. Blessing, you cannot put a commercial value on it. A veteran missionary to China, back in the turn of the century by the name of Henry W. Frost, he received some news from home that was very distressing. He said he had a cloud of depression that came upon him that he just could not shake off. It covered him and shrouded him like a blanket. In his own words, he said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I read the scripture and I prayed. The cloud is there. Could not shake it off. Man of faith, left everything to go and be a missionary. Finally, one day he said, okay, I got in in the car and he drove off and he went to an inland mission station, isolated, way out in the, in the middle of the country, away from the cities. As he came out and thought he talked to some of these missionaries, encouraged them, and maybe they encouraged him, he opened the door, and there on the wall of that mission station, as if God put it there just for him, it says, try Thanksgiving. And in his own words, and I read them to do, he said, I did, <laughs> and in a moment, every shadow of oppression was gone. Was gone. Try Thanksgiving. Try Thanksgiving. Try Thanksgiving. Having preached my heart out, I want to tell you, this is not something that comes to me easily. But I deliberately, intentionally, daily, vocally, Let the thanksgiving from the bottom of my heart flow to my Lord because I recognize that without Jesus, I am nothing. You know, God is a Father who loves you. He doesn't want to take things away from you. He wants to bless you. He's got it all. It is your lack of thanksgiving that is stopping the blessing from flowing to you. Will you, in the spirit of humility, say, Lord, empower me with the attitude of gratitude. Deliver me from the complaining spirit, the griping spirit. Reminded me constantly that without your love, Jesus, I would be heading straight for hell. And then help me to tangibly express this. Heavenly Father, you are the searcher of our hearts. And we thank you that when you search our heart, it's because you want to help us pull out those things that are not honoring to you and glorifying to you and be delivered from them. And and as we hand over to you our ingratitude and and our failure and taking things for granted, that you'll forgive us because of the promises of the Lord Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. 